0: So, where do we need to go with our healthcare system? Well, there's a lot of talk about privatization. We've already got privatized healthcare. Like, don't misunderstand. Make zero mistake about it. We've got privatized healthcare. And if we can't find it in our neighborhood, we drive across the city for it, or elsewhere in the province, or to another province, or to another country, or we fly across the Atlantic Ocean, maybe the Pacific Ocean, and get it somewhere else. So we've got public and private health care. We just don't have it on the records or on the books. Let's have a conversation about what needs to change about that. Natalie Mayra is uh, from the Ontario Health Coalition, and she's kind enough to spend some time joining us right now to talk about yesterday's announcement and where we're going, this province, uh, the, the provincial five-point plan and all of that. Natalie, thanks very much. It's Greg Brady, thanks very much for coming on the show. I appreciate the time.
1: Hi, Greg. Thanks so much for having me. Wonderful
0: to have you. Yeah. Um, what was your What were your main takeaways, Natalie, from Hearing from not just Sylvia Jones but Paul Calandra yesterday. How did how did you feel? What did you spot that uh, that was sensible? What did you what did you like? What did you not like?
1: Okay, yeah. So, well, just quick rundown on COVID nineteen. Nothing new on staffing. The staffing crisis that is causing the emergency departments and ICUs and so on to close, but also there's a big staffing crisis in long term care and in home care in Ontario. Really, there wasn't very much. I mean, it all sounds good, but they've announced thousands of staff over and over, and they haven't actually materialized. So, there really wasn't anything new. They say that they're going to pay tuition for internationally trained nurses, but even that is only a few hundred, and we need 20,000 nurses uh, across the province, and then we need, you know, 35,000 staff in long term care. Like, the numbers are they're, they just bear no relation to each other. So that doesn't really promise to solve the problem. The big announcements, the sort of two big bombshells, one, they said that they were, they admitted, I mean, this has been kind of speculated about for days, but uh, they, uh, you know, made it clear that their intention is to privatize hospital surgeries and diagnostics. So hand them over from our public not-for-profit hospitals to private for-profit companies which we think is a terrible idea and would be a disaster at any time. But given the staffing shortages, would just be devastating now. Um, And the second sort of bombshell is um, they introduced legislation yesterday, which is um, to be able to force seniors who are in hospitals waiting for a long-term care bed into a long-term care um, home that is not of their choice.
0: When we talk about, yeah, all that, all that is stuff I want get, to get to in the next several minutes. When we talk about universal health care, I don't feel like we have it. I, I don't feel like any aspect of our health care is universal. And I feel like when something's broken, you can either fix it or you can't. Natalie, I lean more towards the, the latter, that I don't think this is fixable. And I think foundation up, we need to be really open-minded about ideas. And I know that makes people worry that... It's about privatization and that we don't want to become the United States. I, I'm with you there, but I see so many systems across Europe where they don't have the crises that we have, and they've got a lot they' got bigger populations as well, and they should have crises. We've got to do something to be creative here
1: um yeah, I mean, for sure we do. There's all kinds of things that we could do, but handing not for- profit hospitals over to private for profit companies is not going to help. Public health care. I mean, if you open private for profit clinics, what they only take the profitable patients. They don't take the patients who are heavy care, who are complex, who are likely to code on the operating room table. They're, they're, they're not profitable. They don't run ICUs. Uh, You know, they, if, if a patient gets into trouble, they have to call an ambulance to send you to a normal public hospital to take care of you. So what they do is they take the staff. And the funding out of the public not-for-profit hospitals, and we're scarce staff. I mean, MRIs in in the public system are shutting down overnight right now because we don't have enough MRI techs. Take MRI techs out of your local not-for-profit hospitals to serve the light, easy care patients. Uh, Take all the profitable cases out of your public hospitals to to for-profit companies, leaving the hospitals with all the heavy-care, expensive patients. Uh, behind with less money and less staff to take care of them it would be terrible idea in normal circumstances given the staffing crisis that we have right now in our public hospitals it would be devastating it's not it's a, just a hideous idea it's not about you know advocating for the status quo and all that that's just propaganda it's actually about for profit privatization this is about handing over control of our vital public hospital services to for-profit companies. But I think I could show you data.
0: I, I, I get what you're saying. I think I could show you data from so many European countries. You call the idea hideous, and I could show you where people – I almost feel like it's undemocratic to tell somebody, pay into the system for six, seven decades. But if you're 76, 78, and you want the choice – to pay out of your own pocket or to even have part of of a, of a life-saving, life-altering surgery subsidized, we won't give you the choice to do that. And you know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. They go to other countries and do it. They drive to the States and do it. They get the private surgery done anyway. Wouldn't it be better if it was part of our system? Uh,
1: so, okay, so you're talking about not privatizing the ownership and control of the hospitals. You're talking about introducing two-tier healthcare, where people pay for their services so if you're wealthy you can afford to pay and if you're not you can't
0: no well no there's a baseline of care and coverage like there is in a germany or in italy or any scandinavian country that is not the united states i lived there for 10 years that does not let people fall through the cracks i don't want a, <laughs> i don't want an american system mythical.
1: Yeah, but I mean, people are taking, sort of playing on the ignorance of Canadians about what actually happens in Germany or Scandinavia. I mean, they actually have more public coverage than we do. They pay less out of pocket for healthcare than we do. It's the opposite of what you're saying they actually do. I mean, the the bottom line is we don't have pharmacare, we don't have public drug coverage, they do. We don't have sort of social care coverage that is comprehensive, they do. You know, so they actually have less privatization in terms of payment for health care than we do. Their
0: healthcare system is 23% privately funded in Germany. We pay more than that out of out of our pocket.
1: Yeah, we're paying more than 30% privately in Canada.
0: And our drugs cost more. Dental's not a part of it. I mean, I know federally there's a there's a dental plan coming. We don't have it yet. Um, like we pay more for insulin than people in Germany do. That doesn't sound very socialized or universal no. to me.
1: No, we pay less. Yeah, exactly. But we have a private. I mean, the private parts of our system. We pay privately for drugs. We don't have a public drug plan. I mean, we have been advocating mm-hmm. for decades for yeah. public pharmacare in Canada, which would save more than ten billion dollars and reduce mm-hmm. the cost of drugs because wow. we bulk buy. We sit beside the United States. Right. The largest for profit healthcare industry in the world. We're in a North American market in terms of uh, labor and so on. And uh, and what we're looking at is the large American chain hospital companies moving in to Ontario and doing here what they do in the United States. That would be devastating to okay. public health care. There's no error in
0: that. It's it's one of those things as well. What I noticed yesterday was a lot of concern about um, the ask of paramedics, Natalie, and I wanted to get your feel for that. Um, I, I heard from paramedics who said, I, we're under immense pressure. Come in. We come into a lot of situations, whether we're attending a car accident or we're heading into somebody's basement to to help somebody elderly who's fallen down the stairs. They don't want, to be honest, they don't want any more responsibility for that person living or dying than they already have they already have a huge responsibility i i don't love the province asking them to do more in essence with less
1: yeah you know i didn't i haven't quite figured out how to respond that to that so what they're saying is paramedics would have wider ability it's not totally clear to me the details to treat Mm. on site so paramedics are not like other health professionals they don't have a college they they work under a base physician. Um, and there's three levels of paramedics with different types of training and kind of different scopes of what they can do. So and there's a lot of liability for this. So the paramedics themselves, like it just wasn't clear to me what what exactly they're doing. I mean the issue is that paramedics take their patients to the emergency departments and then they get stuck there. Incredibly, like some of them described to me being there for an entire shift, yeah waiting to be able to offload their patients. Why, Because the emerge is full? Why is the emerge full? Because there are no beds, like staff beds in the hospital to admit patients into. seems to me that you know we have cut more hospital beds in Ontario than any province in the country and then almost any jurisdiction in the developed world. We're like second from the bottom, only Chile and Mexico have fewer hospital beds per person than we do in Ontario. Obviously we need to open up more beds right now. We're in a critical staffing shortage, so we got to get the staff. And, but I mean, for years it's been funding, they've cut, you know, they've downsized the hospitals for 30 years and that's, what's causing this. So we could actually solve this by, you know, Increasing this capacity in public hospitals again. We've just had the most radical downsizing plan for public hospitals of anywhere. It's it's just beyond any reason, and we fund our hospitals at the lowest rate in the country. So it's not like we couldn't go up.
0: Yeah, Natalie Mayer is our guest from the Ontario Health Coalition. If you want to know more about their organization and their advocacy, you can go to Ontario Health Coalition. C A. Um, this is something I think a lot of people are starting to speak out more about whether we have too much top heavy bureaucracy uh in our hospitals. When I hear from nurses who listen to the show or who reach out or are guests on the show, they're quick to point that out. That we've got a lot of hospitals with a lot of vice presidents and a lot of associate VPs and program officers, and they're making pretty good coin. Do we like have you looked deep into some of these numbers and, and is this an obvious concern? That we've we've got a lot of fat that could be going to the basics of of healthcare in our province.
1: Yeah, like I mean, overall, right? Even given that we fund healthcare at among the lowest rate in Canada, and we fund our hospitals at the lowest rate in Canada, so you know we're not wasteful in in overall. But boy, yes, you know, every round of cuts, every round of cuts that's happened, and they have gone on since the eighties. Uh, in terms of downsizing the hospitals has had, you know, they've brought in these technocrats and these bean counters and this and that and the other and measure all kinds of things that have nothing to do with actually improving patient care uh, in order to manage the cuts. An entire industry has grown up around managing the cuts. And yes, it's, you know, incredibly highly paid CEOs of hospitals. But in addition, there's, you know, consulting companies and all kinds of, technocracy as i call it you know that has grown up you know to manage what are supposed to be efficiencies like it just obviously it does not work i yeah. mean we we need it. we need to focus on what we actually do boots on the ground that provide actual care to patients that's where healthcare funding needs to go. But, I mean, people listening should know we fund the hospitals in Ontario. I say we, I mean the government yeah. at the lowest rate in Canada. You know, it's not like they're vastly inefficient. They're actually, you know, have been cut really yeah. very dramatically.
0: There's so many problems, and, and we can barely scratch the surface on it. I hope we can have more conversations about this. It's educational for me, for our audience, too, and I, I enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much me for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. It was a good You bet.
0: Natalie Mara joining us uh, from uh, uh, the Ontario Health Coalition.